0: back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and uh, we're taking a little bit of a break from our our series that we have been doing about unquestioned answers, and we're going to talk about a different book today, a book um, that have nothing to do with our our, our current series on, but it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating interview. I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to be talking about demons today, and uh, joining me is a scholar of much renown, and probably, the the, I, I think, the foremost expert in the evangelical world on anything having to do with the paranormal or uh, that deal with the spiritual realm. That's Dr. Michael Heiser. Dr. Heiser, welcome back to our podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So everybody wants to talk about demons. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we've, uh, we had you on before talk about your book on angels. And mm-hmm. um, at that time, I have to admit, I wasn't uh, familiar with your work very much. Um, and then I, I I casually mentioned to a pastor friend of mine, uh, Pastor Sharp, who's now pastoring out in Indiana. I said, you know, I was, I was doing this interview with Michael Heiser, and he's like, "What? Who? Why are you?" And uh, he had told me about how much your work had influenced his uh, some papers he'd written in seminary, and um, so I was like, "Oh, well, I, I complete ignorance
1: here." How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and so now, you know, uh,
0: that, that was a, a year or so ago, and. Uh, become a lot more familiar with your work now. Fascinating stuff. Um, so uh, let's introduce everyone to to your work. Sure. You um, you've written several books again uh, on on these different topics. Um, right now, you're a scholar in residence with the Logos Bible Software.
1: Um, I have to I have to correct you there. We oh. moved in, in January. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in Florida now, and I I'm actually connected to a church. We have we started a. Ah. It's mostly an online school. Uh, it's called okay. the Awakening School of Theology and Ministry. We ha- we're in our first semester now. We'll, we'll reboot the first semester in the fall. But it's, it's not a for credit thing. You know, We're not worried about diplomas and credits and accreditation and all that. So it's a, it's a two-year program focused on biblical theology and what I would call postmodern apologetics. Okay. So the so, first year is spending 30 weeks going through unseen realm.
0: So how do we uh, how do we find out more about that?
1: Sure, it's you just go to schooloftheology.com. Okay. And, and registration for the fall will open what's today today's the 23rd. Yeah. I think registration is supposed to open next week for the fall.
0: Okay. And so you're um, you're still doing the the Naked Bible podcast in oh, yeah. the in the blog.
1: Yep, doing all everything I used to do except Get a paycheck from Facebook.
0: <laughs> 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 so hopefully you'll get a lot of residuals from this book that, that you've just written. Um, and from what I understand, looking on your Facebook page um, in your spare time, one of your, uh, one of your, uh, I don't want to say hobby. Your one of your enjoyments of life is you're a pug owner.
1: I am a pug owner <laughs> and that is, the word enjoyment is a good way to put it. <laughs> Do you have bugs?
0: I don't have any bugs. No. My kids you have, have, you have dogs. Some.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, that's all right. You, you have my pity then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's talk about your book on, on demons. Now, normally when I sit down for an interview, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll find a book. I'll read the book through and, uh, jot down a bunch of questions, things like that. Um, in this situation, the publisher wasn't able to get me the book on time. So last night, uh, they emailed me a PDF copy. So I'm looking over this, uh, this this morning. And I had to throw out every question I was going to talk to you about. Because I can already tell this book is going to change my entire perception of <laughs> demonology, angels, <laughs> and demons. Um, every, everything I had thinking, like, okay, whoa, this is going to be a fascinating book. And I can't wait to really get deep into it. Um, so this 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 is absolutely fascinating. So, um, you know, this like,
1: will be a you know, good kickstart. Then, you know?
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> like, for example, one of the questions I was going to ask was: It seems like, and this just proves kind of my some of my misconceptions already. Uh, it seems like in the Gospels, there is more of an uh, emphasis on demons than anywhere else in Scripture. Um, and it doesn't seem like demons are really mentioned anywhere else in scripture. But as I'm e- even just reading through the introduction to your book and some of the other pages, that's actually not true.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. it. it you know, the, the one, the, the way I, I typically start this discussion, you know, with, with somebody who's interested is I'll, I'll, I'll drop this question. I'll say, okay you know if you i'm going to ask you and if you ask the average christian you know, why why is there so much evil in the world why is there so much depravity you know why is the world such a mess you know with 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 all this evil and the answer you'll typically get is oh that's the fall you know and satan and, and yeah you know <laughs> and I, and i said well that I, I, you know that's the way i would have answered you have to realize that if you ask the same question to a literate you know israelite who had their hebrew bible or a second temple jew you know first century jew that's not the answer you would get mm. you know there and, and if we think about it genesis 3 really isn't repurposed anywhere else in the old testament when it comes to yeah. the you know the problem of evil and, and a lot of people don't stop to think about that but there are other things that are and so the 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 real biblical answer to this question is, well, the world is a mess the way it is because of three rebellions, both human and supernatural. You know, we're working in tandem or one derivative of the other. There's, they're all related, you know, to each other. And Genesis 3 is the first, you know, that the fall introduces, you know, sin and rebellion into God's world. And we have both a, a cosmic rebel and we have a, you know, human, humanity rebelling against God's will. But then you also have the, the the Genesis 6, 1 through 4, really 1 through 5 stuff. And then you have what happened at Babel, which people, you know, never really see, or at least, you know, most, I mean, I didn't see it until I was a doctoral student, which, which is almost incredible now that I think about it. But Genesis 6, we, we have demythologized, you know, in, in Christian tradition. Yeah. You know, the, the, the sons of God really aren't supernatural beings there. They're just people. You know, and eventually we're going to get to Psalm 82 in relation to the third rebellion, which is what happened at Babel. But people know that the Tower of Babel story, and it's like you read Genesis 11, well, where's, I don't know, where's that? Well, you have to go to Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9. And the reason that I never saw that is because I wasn't reading either the Hebrew text that, you know, derives from the oldest manuscripts we have, the Dead Sea Scrolls, ESV incorporates the Dead Sea Scroll material into its translation. and It's not the only one, but you know, there's three or four that do. And it says when the Most High, you know, divided up, you know, mankind divided up the nations, you know, and fixed their boundaries. And again, we know who the Most High is. That's not a brain teaser. Okay, this is the God of the Bible. And when he did that, well, when does that happen? Well, that's a description of what happens at Babel when the nations are divided. When he did that, he allotted them, he, you know, according to the number of the sons of God which is really like, wow, like, where'd that come from? That's just way out of left field. You know, and then verse nine says, but Israel is Yahweh's portion. You know, Jacob is his allotted inheritance. And and what that describes is essentially, it's a judgment. You know, God judges humanity for not doing what he wanted them to do after the flood. You know, he repeats the you know, Edenic you know, mandate and then, you know, adds this dispersion command and, and they don't do it, you know, they congregate at Babel. And and they also build a, a ziggurat, you know, a temple complex at Babel, which and you would you would build those in the ancient world to to locate the deity, you know, to this is a, this is a place where you live now. You know, we're gonna come come to you, and we built this place for you, and that God's like. Well, I didn't really tell you to do that. Um, <clears throat> so God is fed up at Babel, and He judges the nations. He, he divorces Himself from humanity. There is no Israel at this time. Most of our Bibles will say He, he divided them up according to the number of the sons of Israel. Well, Israel doesn't even exist. Hmm. consequence of this because this you know God is going to call Abram and from Abram he's going to create Israel because he start, and he allots them you know the allotment language is strong in Deuteronomy 4 and and 20 which is a parallel to Deuteronomy 32 uh, 8 and 9 it's it's you know Deuteronomy 17 Deuteronomy 29 I mean this this runs through you know a lot of the old testament and and it, what it does is it explains it answers questions like well you know boy I'm reading my bible along in the early chapters of Genesis and and God's you know, relating to humanity and humanity kind of knows, you know, who God is or there's one God and, you know, they, they honor him and all of a sudden we get idolatry. Like, where'd that come from? Hmm. Well, this is where it comes from. I mean, this is the early history of it. So, you know, Daniel, Daniel's princes, you know, Daniel chapter 10, the Prince of Persia, Prince of Greece, and they're combating, you know, Michael, who's the Prince of Israel, you know, all this kind of stuff. Where does Daniel get that theology? But just pop into his head one day? No, it's Deuteronomy thirty-two. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of coherence to this, but we never quite see this. And, and so, the the biblical world of of supernatural beings who are in rebellion against God, they're not all demons. Demons are a spe- are a specific subset of one of these three rebellions. What we think of as demons in the Gospels. But, and this is why I did my subtitle, what the Bible really says about the powers of darkness. I mean, powers, they're not all demons, just like angels, the members of the heavenly host. Every member of the heavenly host isn't an angel. You know, it's just we have a terminology problem, you know, out of the gate. But, but it's a much more variegated picture than what we think we sort of know. Uh, about demonology, and that's because there's there's a translation barrier a little bit. There's there's a we we get this material filtered to us in, in Christian tradition. It's nothing sinister about it. You know, this isn't a cabal. You know, like some conspiracy or something. It's just kind of the way it is. You know, and 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 scholars should be taking the information and and having it filtered. You know, to the church. You know, and, and in translations and the way these things get taught and discussed. But you know, honestly. The, the people in the guild and I'm, you know, I'm one of them. And I, this is what I, something I object to. They, they don't make a, a big effort to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> most of what they do, they do for, for themselves and peer review and tenure and it's just stuff they're interested in. Hmm. Um, so I'm trying to not do that.
0: Sure. Well, if you would have asked me yesterday, uh, Kevin, where did demons come from? Something about that. I would have said, you know, probably turn to uh, Revelation 12 and said, you know, before mm-hmm. the earth began, uh, Satan had a rebellion against God and took one third of the angels with him. And mm-hmm. that's where this all happened. Um, but
1: you're Then you would it, have footnoted Milton's paradise Lost. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, that's not actually um, what Romans 12, uh, excuse me, I keep saying Romans. Revelation 12 is actually talking about and, and there's not an Old Testament scripture that would, that would back that up either.
1: Right, right. You know, in Revelation 12, if you read it, the, the war in heaven there is very clear in context that it erupts in response to the birth of the child who will rule the nations with the rod of iron, which is a quotation of a Messianic psalm. It's about the birth of Jesus. You know, it's not about some primeval before human creation event. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, it's the only passage where you, you get the word third and, you know, angel or demon or whatever, you know, in, for this language that we have inherited in church tradition. And it, it's, 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 it's an example, and again, I'm not saying it, it's, it's sinister, but it's an example of something that really isn't true that, that sort of bubbles up to the level of doctrine,
0: hmm.
1: you know, and, and it, I'm not saying people are harmed by it. Uh, I think that would be a real stretch to say they're harmed by it, but it's just not true. Right, You know, it's not really what the text says.
0: Well, and let's go back to, to Genesis 6. You, you you referenced that already. Uh, talk to us about how Genesis 6 and, and the whole idea of the Nephilim, um, how does that play into to this? Is that Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the stuff with Genesis 6 and even with Satan uh, in Genesis 3, yeah. um, the third rebellion is a little more developed uh, in the Old Testament than those other two. But But all of the what you're going to find in the book is scholars look at these things and either deny that they're real and they just, they just dismiss them out of the gate, find a way to explain them away. Or they'll say, well, you know, the old Testament doesn't really teach that this is like intertestamental stuff. And so, you know, there's a disconnection here. This is one theology. That's another theology you're going to find in the book that I, I reject that. Yeah. What I, what I argue for in the book is that everything that they're, they're articulating in the Second Temple period in relation to Satan and, you know, the Genesis 6 thing, and, and even, you know, the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, all of the data points for that are actually in your Old Testament. Yeah. And the New Testament, when it, when it picks up some of these threads from the Second Temple period, they're, they're, they're threads that can be traced back to the Old Testament. Hmm. And what, what what's happening is, you know, people in the intertestamental period they're they're serious. They view the Hebrew Scriptures as as inspired. It's the word of God, and so they're reading it, and they see all these data points, and they're like, how do they, all these things fit together? You know, what what how do we come up with a you know a, a teaching of this? Like you know, what do we do with this material? And so they're discussing it, you know, like we do today, yeah. When we write commentaries and we do articles and things like that, they're doing the same thing. So they're they they have a data pool, but the points in the data pool are not assembled and put together in a systematic fashion. But so, you know, okay, the the points of the theology are still there. So when it comes to Genesis 6, you will get threads of everything, you know, nuggets, you know, data points and threads of of everything that is said later. Now, when it comes to the origin of demons, all of the Jewish tradition, you know, is going to be in agreement that Demons are the disembodied spirits of dead, good book on this. It was a dissertation by Archie Wright called "The Origin of Evil Spirits," where he brings together all the data. Um, but this is their view. And, and you say, "Well, that man, I don't see that in the Old Testament. Well, you, you don't see it laid out, but what you do see is you see Genesis six, you see, you know the, the descendants of the Nephilim before and after the flood. One of those is the Rephaim. You see the Rephaim terminology in Sheol, in the underworld, in Old Testament passages, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 32, you know, these kinds of places. You know, you, you see these things. So they're in the realm of the dead. They were enemies, you know, when when they were embodied. They're still enemies now. You know, they, 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 they can be necromanced, okay? You, you can contact them, but you shouldn't. I mean, you you see these things going on in your Old Testament, and and... They, they get put together in, in, in various ways in the intertestamental period and the New Testament writers, you know, will, will, you know, imbibe on some of this content to articulate what's going on. So like why in the, in the gospels, let me give you an example of how this plays out. Why are demons referred to as unclean spirits? Well, that's just because they're bad guys. Well, you have to you know, dig a little further in the book I actually reference again another dissertation that's since been published on, on you know, the impurity and unclean, of unclean spirits. In the Old Testament one of the fundamental rationales for calling something unclean is disorder and forbidden mixture hmm. okay. you can actually look in Second Temple texts and, and discern that they, these, these spirits, these demons, are referred to as unclean spirits because daughters of anything. So they actually have a rationale for the terminology. They're also called bastard spirits in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, that makes sense because, hey, that's what they are. Hmm. You know, I mean, the terminology that you, you see used, and again, some of it, unclean spirits, winds up in, in the New Testament as well. Has a history. The terminology has a history. It has a rationale. It has a point of origin, but again, we don't. We don't typically in Bible study. We don't go looking for that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just it's well. That's in the text. I'll read it. You know, but 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 it all has a history. You know, in Genesis six one through four, you know, it has its own history. It, it actually has a Mesopotamian backdrop that gets picked up. It had a good good grasp of certain Mesopotamian texts and traditions. For instance, the book of the Giants, you know, references Gilgamesh by name hmm. and part of the Gilgamesh story. So they're aware of this material. And that's important because if if you look at what Peter and Jude do with the angels that sinned, and again there's only one candidate for this. It's Genesis six. It's plural angels, you know, Revelation twelve isn't about, it's about the birth of the Messiah, not something earlier. The angels that sin are kept in chains of gloomy darkness. Well, you don't see that in Genesis 6 or anywhere in the Old Testament. I mean, they're they're in Sheol, but there's no chain, imprisonment description. You do get that in the the Second Temple Jewish material, and you get that from an earlier story from Mesopotamia about beings called the Apkallu, who before the flood were divine, 100% supernatural, after the flood they are, quote, of human descent. And these are the, the beings in Mesopotamian theology that save civilization, save Babylon, Babylonian civilization. Because they teach humans wonderful things like arts of warfare, worship of the, of the sun, moon, and stars, you know, a, a, a whole panoply of things that are specifically forbidden in the Torah. <laughs> you know, and, and so Genesis 6, 1 through 4 is sort of a theological corrective. It's a theological poke in the eye to this story, because according to, if you're a Babylonian, you think this is wonderful, that these guys, you know, that the, I give the Apkallu story in, in, in the book, that the, these supernatural beings are appalled that the greater gods want to destroy humans with a flood. It's like, man, we have, we've invested a lot of work in these people, you know? So what should we do? And again, the, as the story plays out, they, they apparently, you know, because they're of human descent afterwards, they apparently cohabit with women, and they raise up their own spawn. They raise up their own peoples, okay? And they teach them knowledge. And, and this is actually the backdrop answer for verse 5 in Genesis 6. I mean, I'll ask you and, and your listeners, have you ever read the, the weird stuff in Genesis 6, 1 through 4? Yeah. All this sons of God Nephilim stuff. It's just, you know, bizarre. <clears throat> and then you hit verse 5. You know, God saw that the wickedness of, of mankind was great upon the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Like, what does that have to do with the first four verses? Yeah. You know, I don't see a connection there. If, if you know the Apkalu story, there, there's a perfect connection because what the Apkalu are teaching the, the Babylonians, that, that in their view makes them the top civilization, you know, all these, all these things, you know, the, these wonderful you know, points of knowledge, every point that uh, you know, they, they teach. Is viewed as a perversion or a thing that, that helps humans destroy themselves by the biblical writers, and it, it, it gets very explicit in, uh, in the intertestamental literature. They, they'll actually list, you know, things that the, the sons of God taught, and the list matches the stuff from Mesopotamia that the Apkalu taught. I mean, it, it's very explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Mesopotamian stories, you know, we, we, the apkalu again, they're viewed as, as good guys. They would make statues of them and put them in building foundations to protect, you know, the, the people from some other spirit that they didn't like. And they're called matsare, which means watchers, which is the word Enoch uses to retell the Genesis 6 story. I mean, you have all these things going on sort of under the current that... An ancient reader, again, a, a, a literate, you know, reader of the Hebrew Bible and a literate, you know, reader in, in the second temple period, <clears throat> they have a lot of this backdrop information just in their consciousness yeah. because they know these stories, they've read this material. We don't really have any of that. Or we've taught people to not, to not go look at it, to never see it. Yeah. You know, move along, citizen. There's nothing going yeah. on here. Um, because I, I think it, there's a fear factor. This is where I was. Okay, twenty years ago. So I understand it. I, I don't want to be too critical of it, but you know, it, it it feels very very strange to to affirm something like Genesis six and the origin of demons and, and whatnot because the, the logical question is, well, how does that work? Hmm. Like, like, how does that work? And and that's a question that that someone from a scientific worldview would ask. Yeah. And that's that's where I was born. Okay. I was born. I you know, you ask that question and, and it and it feels yeah. like, well, you know, I gotta come up with some is that while we're getting rid of this stuff that, that's uncomfortable because we can't explain it scientifically, we're keeping everything else that we can't explain scientifically. God, Trinity. Incarnation, hypostatic union, even the concept of salvation itself—none of that conforms to a scientific worldview. But we don't realize how how dichotomized our method and our thinking is, and it's—you know—we need we need to realize that. Well, our time
0: is kind of slipping away, and I need to ask one more question because I feel like. My listeners would be upset. With Sorry,
1: that. I monopolized.
0: <laughs> uh, that's that's great. No, it's it's really fascinating stuff, and I I am really looking forward to diving into this book even even later today. Um, but I know the question, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get asked a lot. And the question: I, As a Bible teacher, sure. I get asked a lot. Can a Christian be demon possessed? And after just reading a little bit of your book, I'm understanding now that's not even maybe the right question to be asked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't think if we mean by possessed if we mean owned the answer is no you know because we're in Christ you know we we have a a new owner a new master so to speak but that's biblical language if we mean can a a christian be oppressed or harassed troubled the answer would be yes and, and there's a, a whole panoply of new testament verses you know they talk about us you know not giving place to the devil you know you know fighting against the devil and and all this kind of stuff. And so they wouldn't say that if that wasn't a problem, but that's different than being owned again, you know, by, by the Lord of the dead, really. You can't be owned by the Lord of the dead, who is the devil, because if you're in Christ, you're going to have eternal life. That's just the end of the story. I mean, he, he doesn't own you anymore. You owe nothing to him. He has no, he has no authority over, over you at all. But if it's harassment and oppression,
0: yeah. Oh, Dr. Heiser, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Again, I'm, I'm really hoping that you guys will buy the book, Back the Book. It comes out this Wednesday, April 29th, which is mm-hmm. why we're interrupting our, our typical series. So I want to get this in there uh, so that you can only, you can you can pre-order it on, on Amazon. We'll have the link for that. Um, and, and Dr. Heiser, we can I'll have the information for you, your website as well. Thank you. Um, uh, that's drmsh.com. Uh, com and Check out the Naked Bible podcast and blog, of course, after you've gotten your basic Bible podcast in. Um, and <laughs> tell us, again, tell us the information about, uh, about the college that you're, uh, this new college you're doing here in Florida.
1: Yeah, yeah, go to, go to schooloftheology.com. Uh, you can sign up to get, you know, email alerts and more information, and registration will open in, in another week. The first year we go through, we spend 30 weeks going through the content of Unseen Realm. And then second year will is is basically anything I care about. So it, it's going to be drilling down into like Jesus myth or stuff, you know, some of the stuff you see you encounter in the internet, YouTube, and you know History Channel, otherwise known as the Fantasy Channel. Um, that that really trouble people you know because they they get so much media that that is you know really destructive to their face
0: yeah well thank you again thank you all of you for listening and we'll be back actually next week uh we're gonna be talking with uh pastor joshua dostal talking about the coronavirus and uh living church in that age uh but then we'll jump back into our series on unquestioned answers and Rachel will be back with us then So check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. And we'll have all this information, all these resources, all the links will be on there. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.